running for the touchdown. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. Always exciting to play at home. We all want to play at home, and this is an unbelievable venue to play at. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. On a personal level for me, I just, we can't wait to get to the game day, right? We can't wait to get on the grass. JT The Brick. Cars up underneath James. Going to fire quickly. Jackpot, baby. Touchdown, Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Welcome back, everybody. Hour number two on Raider Nation Radio. JT with you here in Vegas. And we're ready to roll. A lot happening. Uh, We are excited. We are excited to talk to you about the offseason coming up here. But we're recapping the game and everything that happened in Cincinnati and what to do next. Uh, That'll happen the rest of this week here. Uh, There's still exciting football going on around the NFL. The playoffs, super wild card weekend. I think it was disappointing for most of the country. There were some exciting games. Really, the only game that was super close was the Raider game. A Raiders-Bengals 26-19. Bills winning a blowout, 47-17. Buccaneers were up 31-0. Philly got 15 garbage points at the end of the game to make it 31-15. Niners-Cowboys, which I'll get to this hour, was very exciting. The Cowboys are in a free fall right now. With the media, Dak Prescott, Mike McCarthy, the handling of the clock and what happened. And the 49ers, a nemesis to some of the fans of the Raider Nation. Niners are right back to where they are. They got good players. Debo Samuel is one of the best players in this league. He gives the Niners an edge. They beat the Cowboys on the road 23-17. And the Chiefs win 42-21. Big Ben Roethlisberger's last game. Mahomes threw for 404 yards, five touchdowns. He was 30-39 in that game. And the Chiefs won that game easily, going away. So the upset was the 49er game. And I thought that the Patriots getting smoked, that's a big story with them going forward. And the Raiders, you know, the Raiders had held, held the Bengals to six points. Six points in the second half and all. Six. A field goal in the third and fourth quarter. Uh, the Raiders came out in the third quarter, didn't score and only scored six points in the fourth quarter and lost the game. Carr was 29 of 54, 310 yards and a touchdown. Josh Jacobs, 13 carries, 83 yards. Jamar Chase for Cincinnati had nine receptions, 116 yards. Look, I'm looking at Burrow's numbers and Chase's numbers. The Raiders did a decent job containing them. They did. They contained Burrow and Chase in the first game. I mean, Chase was eating them up when he wanted to. But again, he had less than 10 receptions and less than 120 yards for a guy who had a 266-yard game. So the Raiders were in the game the entire time, but they didn't have the ability to clean up some of the mistakes. The referees didn't help, and they had the ball with one last opportunity to tie the game with 30 seconds to go on the nine-yard line of Cincinnati. They should have found a way to win that game or tie that game up and get to overtime where I really think they would have had a big advantage because they're the best overtime team in football, one of the greatest of all time this year. Carr versus Burrow and Carlson the kicker. Raiders could have got to overtime and won that game. And how they didn't is pretty surprising to me. As all year long, we've been bringing in Harry Ruiz on Monday. You'll hear him more and more on this time slot. I think he's a great guest, a guy who can step in and host with me, fill in when I'm on the road. I uh, love everything you did this year for us, Harry. Thanks for coming in on a disappointing way to end the season. How are you? 
Of course, JT, JT, thank you so much for having me on the air, brother. And yeah, it was a disappointing ending. Did we want more as a Raider Nation? Of course we did. But at the same time, we see ourselves a month ago and we never thought we had a chance of being in the playoffs. And look what this team did. The resiliency was amazing. Derek Carr, the defense, the special teams, they picked it up when they needed it the most. And they were able to earn themselves this spot in the wild card, in the wild card race. And look... I think this could be the first step of something big for this team, and I hope it is. Yeah, you got to look at it that way. This momentum that the Raiders built, and we'll talk about that later in the season, the momentum that was built is real. Uh, The fact that this team came together. But, Harry, you know as well as I know there could be a lot of changes that we're not aware of. The owner's going to make decisions. He has the right to do that for the long-term future of this team. He could roll everybody back. He could make some big changes. He could make changes on one side of the ball and not another. And you're aware of this. You talk to fans as much as I do about either change on the horizon or not. I think it's going to be a big topic here in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. And you look at it both on the field, off the field, in the offices. There could be a a lot of changes for the moment. We are still not hearing any rumblings of what's going to happen. And that's something that we know from this Raiders organization. They keep everything in-house. They don't like leaking stuff out to the public. And when it does, it's because it's something that's already uh, finished, something done. So it's just a wait-and-see game right now at the moment. But there has to be those interviews with the head coaches because – you didn't end with the same head coach that you started the season. And maybe somebody blows Mark Davis's mind away and be like, you know what, I want you to be the next head coach. Or maybe he stays the same route that the team is in right now. Mm-hmm. Harry Ruiz, the Latino voice of the Raiders. We appreciate him here on Mondays. All right, let's talk about the game here and the inadvertent whistle and what happened. I think the letter of the law is the whistle blew. You could hear it up on Brett Musburger's play-by-play call on almost the roof of the stadium. It was obvious to everybody on TV. The letter of the law is you got to play that play over again. How'd you say it? Yeah, us on the Spanish broadcast, we don't, we're don't. we not at the stadium. We're calling it, this time we called it from Raiders headquarters. We didn't have the audio. So when I'm looking at the play and everybody's reaction, the first thing in my mind is he stepped out of bounds or Q was so up on him, Quinton Jefferson, that they they called the the play dead. And then they called a touchdown, and I was like, inadvertent whistle maybe? And then I start seeing social media, and I saw the replay, and I was like, definitely that whistle. And the rule says you call the play dead the moment the whistle blows. And that's why players, even the Cincinnati Bengals, they didn't know what was going on. But they finished the play, they ca- caught the ball in the end zone, and it was called a touchdown. And another t- uh, One more time, the Raider Nation on the wrong end of a referee decision. Also, as we look at the game, the Raiders had two turnovers. Cincinnati had none. And the big play that people are talking about is Peyton Barber and what happened on that kickoff where it was going out of bounds, and he touched it there. You know, that was a 37-yard mistake there that really took a lot of momentum away. Can't make mistakes like that in a playoff game. Absolutely, and I saw a lot of uh, Raider Nation brothers and sisters from Latin America tweeting at me at at La Nacion Raider saying that the defense – failed this team in the first half I'm like no the defense was the reason why this team still had a shot in the second half because you look at that play the car fumble on third down that left Cincinnati inside the red zone inside the 15 yard line and the Raiders defense limited them to a field goal and then the Peyton Barber situation where he should have stepped out of bounds and he didn't first that gave the the Bengals an offensive drive that started on the Raider territory on the 45-yard line. They got to the red zone, limited again to a field goal. Those kind of mental mistakes don't 
get you anywhere in the playoffs. And still, the Raiders were in it until the final play of the game. I mean, that was the frustration knowing that this team could have done way more. Harry Ruiz joins us. Harry, I want to talk about, you know, the penalties happen. The Raiders have usually been a team that, that has a lot of penalties. That's been around a long time. And we know that in certain years it's better than others. But I thought the problem with the team this year was the fact that they weren't that efficient in the red zone on offense and clearly not with the red zone defense. And those are two big things going forward, and they were able to fight through that and make the playoffs. Red zone offense and the ability to stop red zone offenses with their defense. How did you see that? Yeah, those final 20 yards had been the biggest issue all season long for the Raiders on both sides of the ball. Obviously, the you want fresh blood in that offense to come in with new plays, with new imagination, bring things that are out of the ordinary. And we saw the Raiders go to their bread and butter, usually running the ball or to Hunter Renfro. We don't see a lot of targets to Darren Waller in the red zone. Why? I don't understand, but that's that happens. And defensively, fortunately in this game, the Raiders had those two big stops in the in the first half that limited the Bengals to field goals. But at the same mm-hmm. time, JT, after the Raiders touchdown, the sorry, their opening drive field goal, and before their closing half touchdown, the Raiders only had the ball 5 minutes, 58 seconds, 13 plays, 51 yards. That means that your defense was on the field the rest of the time, 16 minutes and 34 seconds, more than a quarter's worth of play, 34 plays. And the defense still held it up. It was bend, don't break. That That's what happened. Offensively, the team just couldn't find it together during the whole game. And it's what we had been talking about right here on the air, JT. First drive, they look good. Two-minute offense, they look good. But the rest of the game, they need to get it together. Harry Ruiz is our guest. Harry, on that final drive, why didn't they take a shot in the end zone? What do you think happened with that play call there? I didn't like spiking the ball on the nine-yard line with plenty of time left. I, I don't think a team like that, you got four plays to get into the end zone period to start on second down when everybody was set on first down. I know there's a sense of urgency to get up to the ball, but they did. And I think the quarterback's got to do a better job you know, on the hustle to have a play there, a trick play, something quickly like you think you're going to spike the ball and you take a shot at the end zone. You get a flag, they move the ball to the one-yard line in the end zone. Exactly. I said it on the air the moment it happened. I didn't understand why you spiked the ball, why you want to stop the clock right there. You can stop it on an incomplete pass as well and still have 23, 24 seconds left with three more downs to go. I didn't understand the spiking of the ball in that moment because at the same time, you don't want to give Cincinnati a shot at trying a late field goal to win the game in case of you tie it. So I didn't understand that. And then those three plays, I'm looking for the team to do something, throw it into the end zone, and you want all your weapons inside those 10 yards. And I didn't get it. Fourth and goal, and you got Renfro and Waller both outside of the end zone. I got a feeling that the only way they were going in that play was towards Zay Jones, and you saw that he was covered very well. And a lot of people are asking for pass interference. In that instance, the referees, you know you can't trust them. You got to trust on your own players, and the Raiders tried it with Zay Jones, weren't able to get it. Yeah, Harry Ruiz is our guest. I I thought there was pass interference on that last play too, and I thought the Raiders were owed a makeup call because of what happened with the inadvertent whistle, but they're on the road. But at that point in time, I don't know how players aren't running into the end zone. A corner out to the end zone. There's plenty of time and for Derek to keep the play extended outside the pocket. 
Harry, I say this again and again and again, and I hope it's not taken out of context ever. I believe in Carr. I think that Carr can make more plays out of the pocket. I think he can run nine yards for a touchdown uh, if they don't spike the ball and he spreads everyone out. I think he has the ability to lead a franchise, this franchise, to the Super Bowl. But he still hasn't won a playoff game. And on that final drive, he had the ability with four plays to get the ball into the end zone. They weren't facing the 85 Bears. This wasn't Ray Lewis at linebacker and Ed Reed on the back end. I think that the Raiders had the matchups with Waller, Zay Jones, and Renfro, and maybe Josh Jacobs sneaking out of the backfield, uh, catching a wheel route or just slipping under coverage to make a play there. I didn't think they were aggressive enough with the season on the line. Yeah, and it's a, it's a microcosm of the whole year. It's like Derek Carr can get the team to that situation you want them in, but then it's a coin flip if he's going to get them into the end zone or not when you need them. And that's why the team looks great when they only need three points to win the game because you know D.C. is going to get them into field goal range. So that situation, the issue has been getting the team into the end zone. And sun, Saturday, he just wasn't able to get them there. I'm on the car side. I want him to continue because you don't know if you're going to get better or not next year with the options that are available because immediately which options do you have free agency and the draft trades that's just speculation you don't know if another team is going to get rid of their quarterback or not and what you're going to have to give away so i'm good with what the raiders have at the moment and i don't know if they can get better or not with outside options harry ruiz the spanish voice of the raiders kind enough to join us on mondays Throughout the course of the season, the season comes to an end with the loss at Cincinnati. The, the other things that, that have to be cleaned up in the offseason would be the secondary and how do they stop players like Chase. I'm a fan of Merrick. I think Merrick has proven that he struggles finding the ball. Uh, that, that can't happen. He's a free safety. He's got to get to the ball quicker. He's got to knock balls down, intercept the balls there. And then the decision going forward with, you know, Mullen has got to be healthy. He's got to be available. In the last two seasons, it's tough finding him available. Casey Hayward, I thought had an outstanding year. He's getting older, but I think he's one of those players that you can really count on in crunch time here. And then comment on Perryman, who had a Pro Bowl year, much better against the run than he is against the pass. Absolutely. This Raiders defense, compared to what we had been used to the last couple of years, it was stellar. We enjoyed watching them play. The thing is, it's a bend, don't break. The next step is be a defense that other teams are afraid of playing against. And the Raiders have great options up front with Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe. I would love to see Quinton Jefferson back on this squad. Mm-hmm. I, I believe he earned himself a, a contract. Then you see Denzel Perryman. He even joked about it yesterday on his exit interview saying it's like hey everybody who says that I can't play in coverage please come and show me and he said that he's going to work on it the moment this offseason starts for him uh, after the Pro Bowl so I believe that he's where he wants to be and he's feeling comfortable in this defense at the same time is it going to be that defense next year we don't know there's uncertainty around this team around who's going to be coaching who's going to be the coordinator so it's a wait and see situation but Perryman he earned himself a spot the secondary JT of course Trayvon Mullen when he has played mostly he's been good the situation the availability and we would enjoy seeing some ball hawks on this Raiders defense because I believe they had six interceptions total in the year you need to step that number up there's players in the league that have more interceptions by themselves than the Raiders as a team in 17 games. Harry Ruiz, the Spanish voice of the Silver and Black. Uh, The offensive line, I'll be talking about that more uh, later on in the week here. 
Look, Rodney Hudson didn't want to be here. They could have forced him to stay. He could have been around. He, he wanted to go. And for Rodney, we wish him well. He won the Commitment to Excellence Award many times. He was a great Raider. Gabe Jackson left. He, had, he was a veteran. He didn't have a big year where he moved on to. I thought that was a bit of a wash, but the Leatherwood experiment was more of an experiment than it needed to be, and they moved him inside. they got to get him to play at a much higher level next year. I think his offseason is going to be critical. It's a, is conditioning because he's a big guy. He was very durable this year. They can count on him to play, even when he was banged up. And then I'd be more confident, wouldn't you, with the Raiders getting proven veteran offensive linemen instead of throwing a dart in the draft, hoping that someone could come in. That was a very high draft pick with Leatherwood, who struggled the entire year. I'd like to see more veterans on proven contracts or proven veterans coming in to secure that offensive line. Of course, and we got to remember, Denzel Good is scheduled to be back after his season-ending injury in week mm-hmm. one against the Ravens. I have a feeling that Denzel can be a great mentor to Alex Zetherwood the same way that Richie Incognito was a big mentor to guys like Colton Miller and Andre James. I believe he can help him take that next step. It's different having someone there as a player than as a head coach, as a coach, sorry, for the position like Tom Cable is that can help you take those next steps. So I believe the Raiders are still going to continue with Leatherwood. Good. Replace Trent Brown as right right tackle for a couple of games during the 2020 season. So maybe that can be your duo on the right side. But you definitely need to reinforce that left guard position. Andre James started looking better as long as uh, uh, with the season going on. And you know Colton Miller. He's solid as hell over there at the left tackle spot. So they need to reinforce that left guard spot incognito i don't believe that he still has it in him i mean he got hurt these seasons so you got to go another route on right another route right there harry ruiz as we wrap it up so harry put a bow on this year it's a year that i think we'll never forget because of the tragedies off the field the issues that happened but then the fact that the raiders showed resiliency as i said before i came on i love the way they played at home not all the games at home the chicago game the Cincinnati game, but they took back home field. They started making plays and winning. There's a lot more highs than lows when it came to the football production on the field here. Sum up the Raiders season for us. Yeah, this season, when we were looking at the schedule and it was first released, a lot of the positive thinkers, we were saying, all right, we might get 10 wins, 11 tops, but that that's the range for the positive thinking people. A lot of them were saying, no, you're not even getting over 500 this year because there's 17 games. And you go through everything the Raiders had to live during 2021. And I believe it was a positive for the team. They showed resiliency is a word that we hear a lot from this Raiders organization because it's the truth. This team never threw in the towel, never waved the white flag, and they kept fighting. They kept going. And this team... Both has players that are going to come back, that are going to keep fighting for the team, and they also have players that were on one-year contracts that earned themselves a better payday. I don't know if it's happening here or another place, but they played their hearts out. And Raider Nation, JT, after the Kansas game, everybody was disappointed. Everybody was talking trash. But after this defeat in Cincinnati, I was following social media, and fortunately I could say 80% were positive and were appreciative of appreciative of, of everything that had happened, and the rest were still staying staying low because that's the only way they know how to do it. But I, I'm appreciative of this Raider season. 
I'm appreciative of you. We'll hear you more in our time slot here. We know you have your show going on. Tell everyone in the Raider Nation where they can follow you the entire offseason. Yeah, at Harry Ruiz on Twitter, Harry underscore Ruiz on Instagram. And for all the Spanish-speaking Raider Nation, at La Nacion Raider, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. You can follow along over there. And JT, I can't. Thank you enough. I remember that day that we were walking from the parking lot to the stadium, and I told you, JT, I want to be the go-to guy when you want to speak Raiders in Spanish, and you told me no. You want to be the go-to guy to speak both in Spanish and English about the Raiders. So, JT, thank you, man. I can't thank you enough. You've been a great asset to us, and we'll be hearing a lot more from you. All the best, Harry. See you soon. Thanks for doing this. Muchas gracias, Juan. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Harry Ruiz, really nice addition to the show. We had great additions to the show all year. Bobby was coming up with ideas with our regulars from Johnny Katz to Steph to Coach Flores and Paul Gutierrez and Vic Tafer and Bill Williamson. We put a lot of thought into building this show and how to do it during the regular season. We'll pivot. That's a big radio word. We'll pivot and evolve with some of our off-season programming here. I do a national radio show. This is a national show. For us, too, so you're going to be hearing more sports, just not just the Raiders all the time. And hopefully you're here for us every day. And hopefully you're calling in and tweeting because this radio station only survives with listeners. Sounds pretty basic, but that's how it works. So we want you to keep us on your app, keep us on your dial, and keep calling in when you have anything to say at any time. Like I always say, sound off like you got a pair. James, we'll get to James on the other side. Uh, when we come back, we're going to get to Rich Passaccia's press conference. It just finished, and Bobby says we'll take it. So we'll take that coming up next. Here from the head coach of the Silver and Black, uh, Rich Basaccia was very good to me this year with his time and patience, and I think the world to him and the job he did this year. You'll hear from the head coach of the Raiders next. In the moment, I don't, you know, we didn't know because we heard a whistle. The ref said he was out, and then they said it was a touchdown, and then there was no review. So we were just like, all right. So we just kept going. So, you know, we had our opportunities. Um, we just didn't capitalize. Opportunities. Opportunities got away from the Raiders in a couple of losses this year. A couple of big opportunities that got away in that one in the playoff game against Cincinnati. I thought they were the better team. I thought the Raiders were the better team. I thought they had an opportunity to win the game early, middle, and late. They didn't get any uh, help from the officials, but no one cares. The season came to an end, and that's disappointing. For all Raider Nation, who all year long was completely encompassed with this team, brought their A game to every game. That was Max Crosby. How about Max? What a year he had. When we look at these players, a lot of great moments this year. Highlight plays. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll look back on the entire season, the good and the bad, what happened on and off the field, and then we'll get ready for what's going to happen next, and we'll wait and see. We don't know. We'll wait and see. It could happen at any time during the day, any press conference. We'll be ready to move on a dime and get it going. Rich Passaccia. Head coach of the Silver and Black just met the media at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Here he is. Start out with a few words here, and then we'll we'll get into the questions. Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank certainly our players for their constant 
and consistent work and relentless effort to improve every day. That's all we really asked of them. They succeeded in that. Also, I'd like to thank the coaching staff for never blinking and for always putting the man first and then coaching the players second. Um, also, I'd love to give a shout out to Raider Nation uh, for their loud and never ending support for our team. They heard you and uh, they just, they heard you. And you need to understand that. Um, to have fans in Legion Stadium for the first time this season was an incredible experience. And in the future, I think this team will take great pride in playing at home and making an advantage to them. To play the Chargers with a blackout crowd was energizing for our players in that game. And I think it showed again all the way to the end. Um, I'd like to finish by um, also thanking Mark Davis, uh, Mike Mayock, and the entire Raider organization for their on-time support throughout the entire season. It was much appreciated. No one ever wavered. Uh, I believe it's a privilege um, to coach and play for the Las Vegas Raiders and in the National Football League. And with that, I'll um, take any questions you may have. Hey, Rich, uh, this is Benny. Um, I, I was wondering if you've gotten any clarity on uh, on your position moving forward and, and being the head coach, the permanent head coach of the Raiders, is that something that you aspire to be? Um, Mark and I have, have had some conversations. Uh, there's due process. He has to interview um, some other candidates, as I, I, I well know. Um, I'm very respectful of the process, um, what it's supposed to look like and how it's supposed to work. And uh, I think we'll be in con constant conversation and we'll certainly talk again before the week is over. Uh, hey, Rich, Tashawn Ray from The Athletic. Um, obviously, you know, you didn't expect to be, you know, in, in a head coaching role coming into this season. Uh, what, did, what did you learn just from that overall experience uh, just about yourself as a coach and, and how did you kind of grow um, throughout this experience uh, during the season? Yeah, wow. Um, I, I've just, um, I guess I learned that um, I, I could do the job. You know, I, I learned that I could... Um, have conversations with other coaches uh, to figure out how to possibly win a game or, and um, still uh, keep the same role that I had where you can uh, build relationship with players um, and still do the job that I started off with. So um, I, I can see now how offensive coordinators can get a head job and still call plays and defense coordinators get a head job and still call plays. So um, I, I, I kind of learned that uh, about myself as well. So. Hi, Rich. It's Hondo, and I promise I'm not asking you who stood out on film from the game. But <laughs> two, two, two quick questions for me, please. The first is, I know you don't want to talk about you, but your players have gone to bat wanting you and talking about you being the coach. I'm just curious what it means to have those men rally around you because you've rallied around them. And then secondly, it came out on social media about you doing hand-lettered written notes to your players. Can you just, is that something you've always done? Can you talk about that as well, please, sir? Yeah, the, the, I'll do the second part first. Um, first of all, the, the handwritten letters, the, the way that got out is, you know, my daughter and I were um, in the hotel room. It was really early in the morning, and, and um, I was in the process of finishing up some of the letters that I had started during the course of the week, and, and uh, um, she thought that obviously was a pretty neat deal, and, and she put it on her personal Facebook, and... and um, you know, which we had a conversation about after. And uh, somehow it gets carried to someone and someone carries it to someone else. And next thing you know, now we're, we're having a conversation about it. So um, it's my oldest daughter. I, I love her dearly. She is a teacher. She's been a coach. Um, and I would rather have not, not that gotten put out 
that way, but um, it did. And, and yes, it's something I've done. You can go all the way back to my college days. Um, I've written different things, put it in guys' lockers, or um, maybe it goes all the way back to my recruiting type deals. So that was just a, um, I, I usually text players a lot during the course of the week, different things. Um, and uh, so this was just an opportunity for me to hit all the, the players that particularly dressed in that game that um, where I didn't have to text every one of them individually. So I just went back to, to writing some letters throughout the week, finishing them up that morning, and that, that's how that, um, that picture got out there. And, and uh, so that was my, my daughter's sentiment of uh, how proud she was of her dad. And I'll, I'll take that every day, you know, to know that your kids feel that way about you. So um, the other part, what was the other part, Hondo? I'm sorry. What was the other part of the question? Was? It was about the players, Rich. Yeah, yeah, okay. You rallied behind them, and they're rallying for you. Yeah, okay. It certainly, um, you know, that what, what a great gesture, right? I, I'm not going to stand here and say, no, I don't think that's great, and I don't appreciate that. And um, it was it was never asked for. Actually, there was there were meetings that we had where I, I almost, you know, kind of explicitly told them, don't do that, or you don't have to do that, or that's not why we're all here. And... Uh, we we're now have an opportunity to put ourselves in position to win games. So, but that being said, I'm, I'm extremely grateful for the relationships that have been built um, with me and the players, along with the other coaches and the players, and me and the coaches. So, for them to do that, um, I'm very thankful and grateful for that. Coach, uh, maybe the circumstances weren't ideal, but to any other young coaches that may come up and have to get put in the same dilemma as an interim head coach and they have to rally behind the team to get to the playoffs or achieve a goal, what advice would you give to another interim head coach that would have to follow in your steps just for the future for anyone? Well, I, you know, I'd say the first thing is count on the coaches that you're there with. You know, you don't all of a sudden get put in that position and now you're, you're an expert on everything that goes on in any type of sport that you end up you know, getting in that position with. So that, that'd be the, the first thing. And then the second thing is to always remember that it's about the players. And if you try to put yourself in front or have a personal agenda, it usually doesn't work out. It, it's about the players. Um, it's about putting them in position to give them the opportunity to be at their best. And uh, I guess I'll just leave it at that. Rich, it's uh, Chris Matthews with the CBS here in Las Vegas. I was just Chris. wondering, the other day, uh, Derek was talking about this is not the most talented team that he's been on, but it was the most cohesive and and I guess just the way they come to they came together. Uh, how did how does that happen? Is it unusual for a group of men like this? And and at what point did you kind of see that evolving to where they became who they who they were this year? Well, um, yeah, I, I, I do believe it was. It, it's a very unique. It's it. it it became a team, you know, as the year went on. I think that's the thing they probably take the most solace in amongst themselves in the locker room is they feel like across the board, offense, defense, all those guys, um, they've done things together outside of the building, and certainly they've, they've enjoyed themselves inside the building for um, whatever those reasons are. I, um, I think they, they found a great respect for each other's work. I think they bought into the philosophy of um, knowing what to do and competing with relentless effort. And I think when they saw each other, practice in that manner and they got to um, see what the standard was and that they were going to be held by our coaching staff to that standard. Um, I think they took a, a certain personal sense of team pride that, that they could do anything. And I think when we went to Cleveland um, after they uh, 
they changed the dates and they changed the days and they changed the time. And I think when we got through all that and we, we reset and got back on the plane and went up to Cleveland on a one-day deal and, and um, they put themselves in an opportunity to win the game and they won it, I think they came out of there thinking, geez, we can go through. Now we got this too to deal with. Um, and I think they did that collectively. And I think they, we turned the corner a little bit on that particular game. Hey, Rich, this is Vic. I'm wondering, looking back, what do you think was the biggest thing missing with your red zone offense? Obviously, it bit you again on, on Saturday. And what was supposed to happen on that last play of the game? What, did you, what was supposed to happen on, on that last play? Well, I think the last play, we would have liked to have scored, you know. So, but um, whatever the circumstances were that um, we didn't get in the end zone and, and uh, give us a chance to, to put ourselves in position to win it. But, you know, we had... Um, some red zone issues throughout the year, obviously, and then we'd like to clean that up in the future if it, this uh, stays status quo. We'll see what happens. Hi, Coach. Heidi Fang, Las Vegas Review Journal. I wanted to ask, first of all, just what about yourself did you learn in the role of a coach? And secondly, uh, was there any big moment on a personal level that stood out to you, something about this team this year that you will really cherish? Um, you know, I, I'm sure I learned a lot of things. I haven't really written them down yet um, or overthought. It, we, we just kind of got through player interviews. I finished up some of them this morning. But I, I'd say um, the locker room after the Charger game to know that those guys uh, can let all that out, you know, just that emotion that they've gone through all year and then to put themselves in that position to win it in the end in that fashion, another overtime game and um, the emotions that they had for each other, the emotions that they had of maybe, um, I don't know, a sense of, wow, we really did this together. I think that's probably the, was the best moment for me throughout the whole year. Hey, Rich, it's uh, Josh at AP. Just, um, the decision to spike the ball on, with 30 seconds left on that, on that first down at the nine, what went into that? And looking back, were you guys better off maybe trying, trying, trying to get a playoff? Did you have enough time to maybe get four plays off instead of three? Yeah, I think maybe we got a little bit of a communication issue. And I, I think we'd have been better off um, trying to get the playoff. Hey, Rich, um, a lot of guys that we've talked to have talked about the importance of continuity from this point uh, forward. Um, this isn't a situation or a program that needs to be overhauled. We're closer uh, to being a team that not just gets to the playoffs, but advances in the playoffs. How close does that reflect your thoughts? And what do you feel needs to happen for that, for this program to take that next step? Well, I, I respect their thoughts and their feelings and the way in which they, you know, verbalize those things. And, um, you know, I think continuity in any and consistency in any profession is at times could be a good thing, right? So, but if we're, we all know what we're skirting around, you know, it's, I'm in the position I'm in. I'm, I'm sure Mark and I are going to have more conversations as the week go on, um, as we did last night. And we'll, we'll see how that thing works out. Hey, Rich, it's Paul. Um, given what you just said, and there is some uncertainty here going forward, how do you personally go about your week? I know you said you're still going to talk to Mark, but do you go forward as if you're going to start like an off-season type program, or do you stop, hit pause, and just kind of exhale? Uh, or do you even have a chance to do that, considering what's at stake? Well, I think the coaches that are under contract, we, we went through um, all the player exit interviews um, with all of our players, and then we're doing the player evaluations, and um, those will be turned in by by Wednesday, and then as normal, the coaches will have most likely two weeks off um, starting on Thursday, and then we'll figure out from there. But as of right now, I'm, I'm the acting head coach, and, and um, 
through uh, my conversations with Mark. Um, and then starting Thursday, the players, the coaches will have that time off as well as myself. And, and um, we'll just wait to see what happens from there. Okay, guys, thank you. That's Ritz Passaccia, his press conference that wraps up the end of the playoffs as the Raiders were eliminated by the Cincinnati Bengals. Really good clarity on what happened with those handwritten notes to the players, which is getting a lot of social media attention today. Class move by the coach. He explained that his daughter posted that photo on Facebook, and then it was taken by everybody else who saw it. And everybody's retweeting it. And it's a very important moment there. My dad taught me as a young kid to write handwritten notes, teach my kids to do it. I didn't know Coach did that. How would I know? How would anybody know until we saw that photo? And he explained it, how his daughter uh, took that photo and put it up there. And I think that was a nice moment. That's a really good moment. That wasn't planned. That wasn't fake. That was a real moment from a coach who cares about his players and wrote handwritten notes. People have asked him, the insiders who cover the team, especially Paul Gutierrez at the end, his process and waiting. And I think Coach Passaccia uh, gave the right answers that he'll wait for Mark Davis for the next decision, what's going to happen, their next conversations. And then we'll react to it on the flagship on Raider Nation Radio. We'll get a chance to see what's going to happen with his future, uh, the support he has from the players, the organization, and from a lot of people, including me and everybody who's worked with him. Great guy. Learned a lot about Rich Passaccia this year from the – First time I met him at a local restaurant right up the street from my house, uh, Rod Marinelli's daughter and uh, her restaurant, and I got to know him throughout the course of the year, and I could only say great things about him for the way he treated his time with me and the professionalism and the class that he shows every time I sat down in front of him, and you just heard that there at the press conference. This was a guy that I never referred to as the interim head coach in every position I've ever been in, whoever I'm talking to when they're the head coach. They're the head coach, and I thought he did a really nice job of having this team prepared to play, uh, turning down the background noise and the stability to this team after a lot of adversity off the field. So we'll be talking more and more about Rich Passaccia, I would assume. Coming up here, we're taking your phone calls the rest of the way on the Cincinnati loss. Tomorrow we'll go and take a look at a year in review, Uh, the high moments, the low moments, everything that went into the Raiders' season. 2021 into 2022 and I'm looking forward to that show tomorrow because there's a lot of things I want to go back and look on and we'll touch on that and then we're going to just cover rate of breaking news and get back to the playoffs and we will cover the playoffs here with the teams that are remaining it should be very exciting the teams that are left very explosive teams left in the postseason there's a lot of good football in front of us Mitch in New Jersey let me get you up here before we come back ahead Mitch how you doing JT Good, Mitch. I hope they can keep the coach. Hope they keep the coach, Derek Carter. Derek Carter. He needs more weapons. Stevens back. But two things: I can't wait for Las Vegas has a baseball and a basketball team. Your show will be that much better. And it's like a conspiracy. I can remember like it was yesterday the the tuck rule and out of the whistle. I think the tuck rule is more blatant, worse. But it's incredible how things conspire against us Raiders. Our Raiders. Yeah, yeah so look, I don't, I don't think officials, I appreciate the call, Mitch. You know, Raider fans, and since I've been with the team, there's been some really bad calls that have gone against the Raiders. I could easily say that I've seen more big calls go against the Raiders than calls that have gone for the Raiders. I think that's fair. I don't know what other teams say. You know, the Cowboys are saying the same thing today, that they haven't gotten breaks since the 90s. Calls go against them. Everybody is going to 
shine a bright light on the plays and the calls that go against you. And the Raiders have had many in the history of this franchise at big times. And that was a big blown call from the refs. They will not be working the rest of the postseason because of that. That wasn't a good officiating crew. They made a lot of mistakes along the way. Very unfortunate. But I thought the Raiders could have overcome those officiating mistakes and won the game. I'm happy that the question was asked at the end. Rich Passaccia said there was a communication issue on that clock ball on that first down on the nine-yard line. I'm happy he answered that question honestly like he always does. He's always honest. They wish they could have that back and ran a play there. We're brought to you by our great friends. When you think of golf, inside Area 15, Five Iron Golf is the best place to go. I'll be hitting a lot of golf balls this offseason thanks to Five Iron Golf. I can absolutely see it, you know. Um, I don't think penalties helped um, on some of them. Uh, but talking about the red zone and all that, like everything is just frustrating right now. You know, I didn't expect it to go this way. I didn't feel like it was going to go this way all during the game at any point. Um, all the way up until the last, you know, once a couple seconds. So uh, everything just pretty frustrating when you look at especially that. Derek Carr, yes, it was a frustrating end to the season in Cincinnati. The Raiders could have won that game. They came up short, but a heck of a season. Highs and lows, very entertaining. The greater fans who are season ticket holders who didn't sell their tickets at Allegiant Stadium had a blast. There was a lot of great times out there from the first game, the walk-off from Zay Jones against Baltimore to the final win against the Chargers. Uh, we got a long offseason here, but it'll go fast because the Raiders played into the playoffs. The offseason could have started two weeks ago. Tell me how that would have been. I'm happy we got two more weeks out of this. I was like hoping for another three weeks, and it didn't work out that way. They have to build momentum going forward after the good that came out of this year. The adversity and the resiliency leads this team in a very good spot to build on what they did. The schedule is absolutely brutal. Brutal. I, I don't know how a schedule can be that brutal, but they're going to have to play it. <laughs> can't do anything about it, and they're going to have to be better than the teams on the schedule. Uh, they have to tweak the offense and get it faster and better. I think they'll be able to do that with help on the offensive line, maybe another wide receiver. The question is, are they going to use a draft pick? They have a draft pick that isn't that impressive in the late first round in the mid-20s. Don't know what the decision's going to be with on moving up or using draft picks to get veterans or just staying there to take the draft picks. No idea. Nor does anybody, but the team has to get better because if you've been watching football over the weekend and you saw Josh Allen play, that was a team I predicted to win the Super Bowl this year. That pick looks pretty good, but they got to play Kansas City. All you got to do is watch Buffalo and Kansas City and see Justin Herbert play a week ago live if you were there to know that this is going to be tough sledding. This is not going to be easy to go out and win with this division and these quarterbacks. And these playmakers, you got to get better on defense and you got to upgrade the offense. That's hard to do. But they're a 10-win team, and no one's going to shed a tear for them. They were through a lot this year. They've got to now go from a 10-win team to an 11-12-win team. Get a home playoff game or an opportunity to be closer to playing at home with Kansas City in front of them. That's going to be hard to do. So it's a huge offseason. Huge offseason with so much on the line. And hopefully the team makes those strides. I have full confidence that they will.
but a lot of big decisions coming up. Jim and Yonkers, thanks for holding Jim. Go ahead. How you doing? Uh, thank you for taking my call. First time caller, 54 years old, long time Raider fan. I wanted to throw something at you that I've been hearing. Uh, mm-hmm. Burrow runs out of bounds, the whistle blows, he throws an interception. What do you think happens on the play? If he runs out of bounds, he's out of bounds. No, I meant he's, he's going out of bounds. The whistle blew inadvertently, and there's an interception by the Raiders. What do you? I think, think they overturn it. I think they overturn it, and they they run the play over again. They would run the play over again, but they didn't. They didn't run the no. play over again with this no. situation. No, that's the now, whole show. You, yeah, exactly. If you listen to the NBC telecast, not and I like Mike mm. Tirico and I like everybody, but not one of them brought up the whistle, and we all mm. heard it the first time it happened. It was and, an awful broadcast. It was an they awful broadcast. Any... I'm a Tarico guy. Exactly. It was it was one of the worst broadcasts I've seen, and I was in a casino, you know, with a lot of people and family trying to watch the game there. The broadcast, the camera work, uh, got to run. Appreciate you called. Uh, Drew Brees was terrible. There was no way he should have been brought out of the studio and into the booth. Again, that's a classic example of an athlete cutting the line as a broadcaster. You don't put a guy who doesn't do games. He did some Notre Dame games. You don't put him in the booth. He's a rookie. He's not Tony Romo. The only guy who would do that is if Peyton Manning wanted to do this. You put him in. You don't put Drew Brees in. He was awful. Terrible. It's all over the it's all over social media. It was awful. The broadcast was cheap. It was a terrible broadcast. I'm surprised to say that because I think NBC does the biggest broadcast with Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. Everything about that game was a, a bit off. I, I talked about it after the game on the postgame show. It wasn't a good broadcast. It was a terribly officiated game. There were penalties, a lot of mistakes. It was a tough watch. Fabian in the South Bay. Hello, Fabian. Hey, JT, as always, thank you. Hey, I'll keep it short. Two mm-hmm. things the Raiders got to do. I hope they bring everybody back with a little tweaks. We got to change the red zone offense. Settling for field goals is why we lost yesterday. And with regards to uh, the wide receivers, we need mm-hmm. somebody to fill those shoes. We got to do it. I'm really optimistic for the off season, but uh, those are the big deals. Those are the two big check marks for next year, JT. And thank you again. Thank you. Appreciate it. Ian Rappaport reporting a minute ago. The Raiders have put in a request to interview Patriots defensive assistant Gerard Mayo. Their search begins, and that's not all. They also requested de facto GM Dave Ziegler. So that just came down from Ian Rappaport as the Raiders have just begun, according to Ian Rappaport, just now, the process of interviews, which is part of the process for every team. Leonard in San Jose. Wrap it up, Leonard. Thank you. Hey, JT. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. So, Los Los Angeles, Oakland, and now Las Vegas, season ticket holder here. The 400s, you know us. Yep. But, um, listen, I'm actually – everyone's been asking me, hey, man, I'm sorry about the team. And I'm saying, no, I'm not sorry – I'm upset about the loss. Mm-hmm. Man, this team finished so – they finished strong. Cincinnati did pretty good the first time. We had them. We had them. So I'm really proud of this team myself. I'm looking forward to next year. And the good thing about next season, a lot of those games are on the West Coast. Playing Seattle, yes. playing L.A. twice. It's a good season coming up, man. I can't Yep, wait. I agree Thank with you. you. Hey, much. I got to run. Thank you. I love this team. I love a lot of this season. It was a hell of a ride. I'm just a – Proud to be a small part of it and have an opportunity to talk to you about it on Raider Nation Radio. We are nowhere near done. Tomorrow, we'll look back on the entire season. A lot of the big moments, some of the issues off the field, 
and then we'll see what happens with the Raiders with some of the decisions Mark Davis has coming up, and we will cover it all on the flagship. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks to Bobby, Harry Ruiz for coming in, and here's to a great, productive offseason starting now on Raider Nation Radio. Have a great day.